welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. I'm Liz Gumbiner, and we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. And on today's episode of Spawn, we will be talking with guest, author, and parenting mentor Sue Groner about how to stop fighting with your kids and minimize conflict around the house. Ugh, I'm raising some, my hand as yeah, someone who needs this topic myself. <laughs> same here. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. And we'll be back with this really important topic and our great guest right after this. This episode of Spawn is brought to you by TeenCounseling.com, a service connecting your 13 to 19-year-old with a licensed professional counselor right where your teen spends most of their time on their smartphone. They'll match your teen with a skilled therapist of more than 1,000 in their network, making affordable, discreet professional counseling available to more families. To learn more, visit teencounseling.com slash cool mom and help your teen take charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And Spawn listeners, you will get 10% off your first month when you visit teencounseling.com slash cool mom. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about our wonderful guest and this awesome topic, Sue Groner. So Sue is the author of the book, Parenting, 101 Ways to Rock Your World, Simple Strategies for Parenting with Sanity and Joy, which won a Gold Mom's Choice Award. Very cool. Yeah, she is very cool. It's a great book, too. She's a Wharton grad, la-di-da, and now a certified positive discipline parent educator, which I didn't even know that was a thing, but that sounds so cool, providing both individual, group, and corporate sessions. She founded The Parenting Mentor to provide allyship for parents in their quest to raise confident and resilient children, and she has a little experience. She herself is a mom of two children who are now 19 and 22, so she's been through it all, or you know, a lot of it. <laughs> so welcome, Sue. <laughs> welcome. Great to be here. You too. We've been talking so long about getting you on the show. I'm so glad we're finally doing this. We've been reading your book for so long. Good. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Too long to read, though. <laughs> so let me ask you, your Instagram handle is The Parenting Mentor. And I want to know, what does that mean to you to be a parenting mentor? And how did you get started doing that? I guess I started doing it because I just had a knack for it. And friends would ask me about things that were going on with their kids. And, you know, I would be with my physical therapist and he would talk to me about his problem child. And I would say, well, why don't you try this? Or why don't you try that? Or, you know, maybe say this instead of that, uh, you know, and I would say, give me feedback. I want to know if this is working or not. And people would say, yeah, you're really good at this. You should turn this into a business. And so I decided I would do that. And it felt right to make it a business because I wanted to be able to share what I learned from being a stressed out, anxious parent with other people. I thought like, well, you know what? No one should go through what I did. And this is really simple. It's not rocket science. I mean, an hour with me and you kind of have your mind change significantly and how to approach different issues with your kids. That's like so many stories that we hear, Kristen, where people are doing something Indeed. they're just doing anyway and they're passionate about it. Yes. And suddenly they go, oh, wait, 
this could be a business. Yeah. And the timing was really great too, because I realized I was going to become an empty nester a little sooner than I thought, because my son begged and begged to go to boarding school. And finally, we actually let him go. So I was like, well, what's my next big move here? You know, one thing that you had written in your bio, which I really liked, is you wrote, I found child rearing alternately exhilarating, frustrating, rewarding, maddening, relaxing, and the hardest thing I've ever done. And I read that and I was like, oh God, that sounds like every parent. Yeah. So I love that you're coming at this from this perspective. Not that, you know, all parenting is so easy and great if you just have the right tips and not that it's like all so hard and awful and we should just accept it. Like you seem to understand that there's highs and lows and that, you know, some really basic common sense tips can kind of help us through it. Yeah. I think regardless of how great you are and how great your kids are, there is the inevitable stress and anxiety that just happens. You know, nobody is exempt as a parent from having problems and issues and struggles. It's natural because you have these human beings in your house that you're sort of trying to control and... Try, try being the operative. If only, if only they had a remote control. If only it was easy as controlling my Roku TV. Although I have to say that one can be tricky sometimes. Maybe, maybe parenting is like trying to control your Roku TV. Yeah, I've never thrown my children across the room ever, but I've done that with the Roku (laughs) remote many times. Yes. Okay. So that's a part that's not similar. But the other part, when you're like frustrated with it and then you try to speak nicely to it and then you get angry with it, it feels very familiar to me. So let's talk about your book, Parenting 101 Ways to Rock Your World. It is really written for busy parents because it's literally a list of 101, in quotes, golden rules, right? Suggestions. And, you know, I'm wondering who is it most helpful for? I've got four kids. My oldest is 15. You know, we have a lot of listeners who have very young kids. They have babies. Who do you think will benefit most from your book? You know, when I wrote the book, first of all, my kids were older. And I was thinking that if you're a new parent or you have a two-year-old, for instance, you can start fresh. But if you have older kids, these tips are still really relevant. This book is something that you can pick up periodically as your children get older. You're going to read them with a little bit different perspective Mm -hmm. than you might if your kid is five or if your kid is 15. But a lot of the tips still will resonate just in different ways. And for our listeners who haven't yet picked up this book, it reminds me kind of of those activity decks you can buy, you know, those cards where you can pull one out and there's something interesting on each one. It's really simple. So just flipping through this, like number 13. Try something new as a family. Number 20, say no with conviction. Or number 56, smile big and often. So there are all kinds of tips, or like you call them golden rules. They're really simple. And I feel like every time I flip through the book, I see something in there where I'm like, yeah, I could be doing that better. Right. I I do too. I like to look at it every once in a while myself. <laughs> so I think the section, you, you group it by section, which is really helpful. And you have a section on perspective and judgment, which starts with, I think, number 33. Do not cry or yell over spilled milk. And, you know, as I was looking through that, I thought that's a really great place to start if we're going to talk about this premise of minimizing conflict at home. So can you talk about some of the relevant golden rules in that section and how that can help us when we're feeling so stressed that we just lose our tempers? Yeah, I could yeah. use this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you mean you lose your temper sometime? Not your kids? <laughs> <laughs> Only once a month. It's like a period. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, even just don't cry or yell over spilled milk is a great place to start. That's the first one in that section. And your kids spill something or break something or just 
some little mishap that happens. Why do we get so angry at them for doing that? Yeah, maybe it was a little careless. But, you know, if you're trying to avoid conflict, then just say, here's a towel, clean it up. Don't you hate when that happens? You know, I I spilled my wine at dinner last night. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the tips I really liked is you talked about in number 35 is embrace boredom. I think that's a really big deal. Like, I I like that you wrote, it doesn't mean you have to drop whatever you're doing to entertain your child. This is a short-term solution that only serves to let your child know that boredom needs to be fixed and you are the one who will fix it. Talk to me about that because I think that's something that we all could be better at. Yeah. Yeah, I love that tip. And I joke that as parents, we're not the entertainment committee. You know, it's not our job (laughs) to keep our kids entertained and busy all the time. And in fact, it's better if they're not. You know, boredom, we might consider it an adverse feeling, but it's no different really than being disappointed or being frustrated or sad, or it's just another feeling. And the more we normalize that and every other feeling, the better off our kids are going to be. So your kid says, I'm bored. Say, oh, you know, it's like, okay, so you're bored. You don't need to fix it. Or you could say, oh, I'm sure you can think of something to do if you don't feel like being bored or yeah. I know. Sometimes I'm bored too. In fact, I'm bored right now folding the laundry. Yeah, some things are boring. You know, I like the way you talk about (laughs) just acknowledging. I'm just laughing because uh, it's true, right? It's just like, it's such a great way because I I know so many parents kind of get annoyed, right? When their kids are like, A, they're bored, but then you tell them to do something and they're like, this is so boring. And I just love that you're just like, yeah, stuff's boring. Like, it is what it is. You know? <laughs> it also reminds me of the really great advice that KJ Delantonio gave in her book, How to Be a Happier Parent. And if you haven't all listened to that podcast, that's a great one to listen to after this one. We also just did a live book club chat on that on our Facebook page a couple weeks ago. We and did. one of the tips she gives, which is like what you're saying, Sue, is do not make their stresses your stresses. You can separate yourself from it. And I thought that was a really good tip in terms of keeping yourself sane and being happier, not getting angry and starting fights. So when your kids are like, I'm bored, don't make it your problem to fix. It's like, that's their problem. Be like, go to the craft closet, pick something out. And then you walk away and they can choose to do it or not choose it. You don't even need to say that. Because they know. So in other words, you don't just solve the problem for them at all. You could just empathize, right? You're just saying empathize and just say, yeah, it stinks to be bored. (laughs) Validate the feeling. Yes. Yeah. We cause so many arguments with our kids because we get angry at the way they're feeling. You know, they come and they say, I'm bored. And you're like, well, then go do something. You know, you have plenty of things. You have all these toys. You have all these books. Go outside, whatever. It's like, why are we getting angry over them just telling us how they're feeling. See, clearly I need more help with this one because I'm halfway there. Like I will tell the kids what to do, but I don't get angry about it. Like I separate my emotions from it. I'm like, well, you can do this, this or this. And then I walk away. But it sounds like what you're saying is we don't even have to solve the problem when they're old enough. They can do it. I don't even think that we need to look at it as a problem. Ooh, I love that. But you know what? We like to fix, right? Like parents love to fix stuff. And what I find is interesting, and I've noticed this with especially my older kids, is sometimes they just want to say stuff out loud. They just want to say it, which like I get. And probably I'd feel better and be happier if I was saying more things just out loud to say them. I don't necessarily need anyone to solve the problem for me. 
But sometimes they're just like, I'm hungry or I'm bored. Or like my oldest, for example, loves to vent to me about things. And I get in like a total fixer mode. And I'm like, oh, what do you need me to do? Do you need me to come out there? Do you need me to do this? Do you need me to do that? No, she doesn't. And it turns out she's not really as upset as she seems to be letting on. She just wants to vent. And I should be thankful that she's venting to me. Lisa, who's on our team at Cool Mom Picks, just went to her daughter's college orientation. And they told her, if your kids call you, you can say two things. You can say, wow, or that stinks. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And basically... That's all you say when they call you. You don't say, tell me the name of the dean and I will get on the phone immediately with them. (laughs) I will call your social studies teacher immediately and fix that grade for you. That was not on the list, surprisingly, Liz. (laughs) (laughs) So, Sue, help me with this one. Because, like, with my own kids, one thing that I've tried to do, and maybe this is not the best thing to do, is I've tried to get them to ask questions instead of making statements. So when they say... I'm hungry. I say, is there a question? <laughs> and then they might say, what is there to eat? Or is it too soon to eat before dinner? And then, like, it helps me because if they just make a statement, then I feel like I'm scrambling to interpret what they want out of that. If we look at what they're saying, instead of getting angry and frustrated as an observation, then respond to it purely as an observation. Like if they said, it's hot outside. <laughs> yeah, it is hot outside. I'm hungry. Oh, like they're just telling you that they're hungry. And then let them come up with the next question to get a response that they want from you. Right. Or maybe they don't want any. I really think the less you say, the better off you're going to be. Because if they want to solve their hunger issue, then they'll solve it. You know, and they're going to learn problem solving skills that way. Well, I think it also depends on the age of your kids, though, right? Because if you've got a four year old saying, I'm hungry, there's probably a multitude of possible questions that would come with that. Right. Right. Or maybe they're not old enough to make their own sandwich. So there's probably a difference between little kids and like, you know, my 14 year old. If she says, I'm hungry, I'm like, okay. <laughs> because she knows what to do. But, you know, <laughs> if I have a four year old over, like, I want to understand what that question means. Because sometimes it means, can I have a snack? Sometimes it means I'm looking at the Pringles over there on the table and I don't know if my mom would let me have those, but since I'm on a play date, do you think I could have them? You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of ways to interpret it and I don't want to be in the job of interpreting. And that's why I usually tell them to please ask me a question instead of making the statement. But maybe that's not right. No, I think that's I, I think that's fine. And then maybe you're training them over time that they will start asking questions. But if you say, Oh, oh, I know I can see you're hungry or, oh, so you're hungry. I'm hungry too. You know, I'm going to make a snack for myself in a half hour when I finish what I'm doing. And if you want to join me, that would be nice. Yeah, I think that's great. And to get back to the topic of minimizing arguing, you know, Krista, to your point, like it's frustrating when your kids are just saying things to you and asking you to solve it. And I think that's where a lot of parents just blow up. Right. Yeah. You, could say, yeah. you said you were hungry 10 minutes ago and I gave you something to eat. What do you mean you're hungry? You know, so it's just like the more we can just look at their comments as observations, the better off they are and stop trying to fix it. Yes. The kid who is mad because they got a red balloon instead of a green balloon, they're entitled to feel that way because as a little child, that's what upsetting them. They don't like green and they want red or whatever it is. I don't blame them. Green balloons are the worst. (laughs) (laughs) 
seriously, I'm on team red balloon. Yeah. You know, there's so much here just about empathy, about acknowledging their feelings and not personalizing it. Like so much of this really has nothing to do with us. And it's more just their own experience. And I think sometimes if we just let kids be upset, be annoyed, be frustrated, be happy, whatever it is they're feeling, and just say, wow, you sound really happy. Or, you know, yeah, I could see where that really stinks. Or whatever it is, acknowledging that, letting it go, and allowing them to know that you're there if they need you and they can come to you, but you're not going to jump in and solve it for them. Because I think so often we just are so uncomfortable with kids crying, with kids being mad, with kids being upset. I mean, I'll raise my hand. I do not like it when my kids are mad at me. I don't like that feeling. So I try to do everything I can to not make that happen. But sometimes they just need to be pissed at you and it'll go away quicker. It actually goes away really fast. And I have found even with my own kids and I occasionally don't follow the recommendations of the parenting mentor. (laughs) (laughs) The parenting mentor off book. It's going to be your second edition. Well, you know, recently I got really angry at my son and he's like, mom, that's not the way you're supposed to be talking to me. And I said, I know, but I've had it. Take care of this now. And I left the house and I came back and this room was clean. And, you know, even though I say all along, it's your room, you can do what you want with it. But it was just so out of control. And, you know, sometimes you're going to lose your temper a little bit and that's okay. As long as it's infrequent. And I will say this stuff takes a lot of practice. Yes, it does. You know, the not getting yourself so upset over everything. It takes practice. The not wearing your kids' emotions on your sleeve takes a ton of practice. But if you start to look at all those problems that you want to fix as opportunities for your kids to become resilient and self-reliant, to start developing problem-solving skills and coping mechanisms, you all of a sudden have this whole new perspective and say, oh, wow, so that problem that I want to fix is actually a really good thing for my kid because it's going to help them become a more capable human being and be able to learn to deal with problems that are going to come up in their lives. I think that's great. I'm already feeling relaxed. (laughs) I'm already feeling like, I'm fine. Everything's good. But, you know, Liz, we got to get to this minimizing conflict, this clear thing, Sue, that you do, the C-L-E-A-R-R. I'm a fan of an acronym. Um, That really helps me keep it in my mind as I go forward and try to implement it. And I'm sure that's why you do this. You've seen success. So can you go through what each of those letters stand for and just give us some examples how this method and the strategies you lay out can help all of us? So the first one, C, is communication. What do we have to do? Things we say, things we don't say, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, to me, the communication piece is partly, yes, what you say, but also how you say it. There's so much about tone and manner. So you can say, I really need your help now. Or you can say, you know, I really could use your help right now. Like, how different is that? That's a great point. Very different. And I mean, think about how we feel when we have to tell our kids to modulate their tones, right? Like, they do that all the time. If I have a kid, not that my kids are anything but perfect, but, you know, should I have a kid at some point who would say, like, where's the juice? 
that's really different than, Mom, where's the juice? And so there are times when we point out our kids' tones, and I, I like that you're pointing out that our own tones <laughs> make a really big difference, and we should be aware of them. It makes such a difference. And also, you know, the other part is really being careful about judgment. We can say so many things that we don't mean to sound judgmental or to be judgmental, but it's heard that way. So if you say, well, why didn't you ask your teacher, blah, 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 or why didn't you do this? Like the, just any why question. Yeah, why questions are the worst. They put you automatically on the defensive. <laughs> yeah, and your kid is thinking, oh, I screwed up. My mother thinks I screwed up because I didn't do that. Even offering is sort of like, well, next time you might want to think about doing that, which you could say, or you could say, well, next time, how would you handle it differently? That's great. And that's rule number 75 in the book, which I have right in front of me. So when you say, like, so eliminate that from your vocabulary. Why didn't you blank? And if we keep that in mind, like if we feel those words starting to come out of our mouths and we can rephrase it, then that's like a great tip right there. So how about the L in clear? L stands for love. What's that about? What's love about? Sue? Yeah. <laughs> What's love got to do with it, oh, Sue? Got to do with Besides it. a secondhand emotion. I always tell parents, think back on those days when your child was a tiny little baby, how much you loved that baby. And when they were one and adorable and didn't understand that they could have any control over their lives, right? And they just loved you and you loved them. And they were just you couldn't do anything and you never would get angry at them. And I said, go back to feeling that because that's the love that you want to always feel for your child. You may get frustrated and angry at them, but remember that you love this person so much. And why would you ever want to say anything mean or hurtful or act in Absolutely. a way that might be strewed that way? And so it's sort of like, oh, okay, hold on. I'm going to catch myself here and I'm going to talk to my child with love. That's the root of this conversation we're going to have. You know what a good trick is? Go clean out your attic or your basement or wherever <laughs> you keep old photos. Yes. And when you happen upon photos of your children, as tiny wee ones, it really can give you a shot yeah. of what you're talking about instantly. Keep a picture of you with your baby or just of your baby really close at hand. I have Aww. a picture of my daughter as a little kid, the cute little, you know, one-year-old in my closet. And I have one of my son in my bathroom. I look at them every day. I'm not consciously necessarily thinking, oh, I love them too, you know, but it kind of reminds me. I love that. Now, E is empathy. We've talked a lot about empathy, but can you just speak a little more about how much of an impact that can have on our kids? And it's really separate then from them being our mini-me, because I think sometimes we like try to like put ourselves in their shoes or imagine that they're us, and that's not really what empathy is. No. Not at all. In fact, I learned something recently. I had some girlfriends up and a friend of mine was talking about the golden rule. And she said, well, do you know about the platinum rule? And none of us had heard of the platinum rule before. And that was do unto others the way they would like to be treated. Right. And it was like mm, an yeah. aha moment for me, you know, treat them the way they want to be treated. Not everybody feels the same way. Yeah, that's interesting. I think about that a lot. My daughter, my oldest is an introvert. I'm an extrovert. And it took me a really long time to understand that being around people was exhausting for her. Like I, I just had such a hard 
time understanding that. And I really learned that when I was able to just imagine what it was like for her, not what it was like if I was in her shoes, but really, truly what it was like for her, it was life-changing, really. Like, I really understood I could see her face at a party. I could be like, let's go or go find a quiet space without judgment and without being annoyed. Yeah. Just from a true position of understanding. Right. It's not like, wait, what do you mean you don't like going to a party? You know, (laughs) it's like, oh. Okay, well, maybe let's do something else together if that that makes you uncomfortable. Absolutely. Again, it's that validation. It's saying, I understand how you feel. I may not feel that way myself, but I get how you feel about this situation. And let's talk about that and try and work through it. You know, and I understand that you may not like this rule or you may be frustrated by the fact that you can't do that. But at least they're being heard and know that there's that connection, which is so important because how many times you hear, oh, you just don't understand me. You don't get me. Right. Yeah. They're just kids are saying, please understand how. I feel. Well, and that is really one of the basic tenets of attachment, right? Is feeling Mm -hmm. that you are heard, that you are being heard. All right. So let's talk about A. We've done C-L-E. We're on A, which is awareness. Talk a bit about that. Yeah. This is like actually one that when I talk to parents, especially in groups, and I'll I'll be complaining about something and I talk about this one and like their eyes like sort of pop out, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's like awareness is kind of the first piece of this and understanding where this whole feeling is coming from, right? Your kid doesn't want to take a shower. You argue with them every day about taking a shower and you just sort of accept that instead of thinking to yourself, I wonder what the problem is with the shower. I'm going to ask my child, what is it about the shower that you don't like? Because you and I are like are arguing about this every night. And, you know, it's really not great to be arguing at nighttime, you know, it's not great to be arguing at all, but let's see what we can do to stop arguing about it. Tell me what I can do to make the shower more comfortable for you. So awareness is having a better understanding of where the complaints are coming from that you or or the issues are coming from that you argue about. Because I mean, I use this very thing. I swear you're reading my mind. My youngest never wants to take showers and it makes me insane. Listen, Sue, what is it, Liz? What is it? Because I was just saying Sue is in my house. I finally talked to her. (laughs) Me too. And what it is. Me too. What was your reason? It takes her like 40 minutes to take a shower. Her hair is so long and gets so tangled. She feels like it's this huge process and then she feels like then she doesn't have time to dry her hair and then if she doesn't dry it right then it gets really tangly and then she's terrified about it being knotted and painful the next morning because she's like this close to having dreadlocks every morning when she wakes up and so I realized it was like the fear of all the things that come after the shower it wasn't about the shower so we got her a better brush I promised to sit and braid her hair for her at night we talked about you know whether she wanted to blow dry her hair keep it wet like we kind of worked through all those issues And I think to your point, Sue, the awareness of what was really going on, it wasn't like, I don't like showers. It was this fear of all the stuff that would follow that would cause her discomfort or even pain Yeah, (laughs) that it made her not want the whole experience. And so just asking after years. It's so funny. My son was just anxious about being by himself. So yeah, it was anxiety. Just didn't want to be because he's in our basement. We have a full bathroom down there and that's his shower. And he just was, he didn't want to shower alone. And I love that all these things connect too 
because they really like, do. awareness they connects really do. to empathy and it connects to communication. And these things all really are kind of intertwined, which I really like. So let's talk about the R in clear. We've done communication, love, empathy, awareness, rules. How do rules help avoid more fighting and conflict in the home? <laughs> like we don't know the answer, but tell us your answer anyway. Yeah. But the, the only thing that I say is you have to have them. You don't have to have a lot of them, but you have to have some rules. I'll never say, okay, this is the rule that you have to have surrounding social media or around phone use or anything like that. I mean, every family is so different. Every kid is different. So I never will dictate what the rules should be, but you have to have them because without it, there's no structure. And without it, you end up on a whim, you know, making up the rule for that moment. If your kids know what the rules are, then all you have to do is say, you know, our rule, period. That's the end of the conversation. There's no negotiating. There's no back and forth. There's no arguing that just sort of shuts down the conflict there. And usually the thing is, I can't take my kids being on their phones all the time or they're always on the iPad or, and I'm like, well, well, what are your rules around that? Oh, we don't have any. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, make some. Well, I would say it in a less vague way. I'd be like, well, we have different rules for different times that we change. So I wouldn't say we don't have rules. I would pretend that we had more rules than we did. (laughs) So your point is well taken. And again, like don't have a lot of rules. And how about the last R in clear, which is respect? Okay. This one can be a little tricky because I think we all sort of feel I'm the parent and you respect me. But this R is really about respecting our kids. And that comes to how we speak to them, how we ask them questions. You know, they're thinking, feeling human beings with their own ideas about things. Yes, I agree with this so much. We don't let them know that that's important. Then they feel much less than. So what do you think? If they're a little bit older, let's talk about this and come up with some rules together. How do you think you can fix this problem? You know, so many times when we jump in to fix things so quickly, we're kind of telling our kids, like, we don't think you're smart enough to do it on your own. We don't think you can handle this. And we're constantly sending that message to our kids when we do that, as opposed to like, hey, I know you and I know that you can figure this out. I know you've got this. Sue, I did this this morning. I did something Yay! right. Literally, Yay! my daughter <laughs> is volunteering, Kristen, you'll like this, at the local cat cafe in Brooklyn. We can't have cats. We have massive allergies around here, but she loves cats. So she's <laughs> volunteering to take care of all the kitties up for foster adoption. And she was nervous this morning that she would get there and there's only one person because they weren't really open yet. And what if they don't open the door? And what if they're in the basement? And what if they can't hear the doorbell? And, and so I just said to her, well, why don't you tell me? what would you do if they can't hear you knock at the door? And she thought for a minute, she's like, call them? I said, yes, yes, you can call them. Now, what happens if you call and they don't pick up? She's like, I could um, DM them on Instagram. I was like, you are so smart. You know exactly what to do. Go make it happen. And I think sometimes maybe because we are so connected to our kids through phones, you know, we, we give them phones to give them independence. But sometimes what it creates is a situation where we're like the Ask Jeeves. <laughs> There's yeah. a reference for you. Yeah. Like we're like, <laughs> right? We're like the Quora for our kids. So they're always calling to ask us and 
so I said, you know what to do. And, um, and then she felt really empowered to go out there and make it happen. And the fact that I have not yet heard from her is a good sign. I am assuming she got in okay and it all worked That's out. Great. And you know what? <laughs> She's going to feel empowered by all of that, that she came up with the ideas herself and was able to figure it out. And sometimes it's hard. I mean, my son ended up when he was coming back from Europe last summer, you know, and this is a little bit bigger situation, but the name on his ticket wasn't the name on his passport. And we let him figure it out for himself. And he did. Okay, I would probably call my own mom about that one too. I'd be a little panicked. <laughs> <laughs> By the time that we were actually even able to respond, he figured it out. That's, That's awesome. I mean, there is Google these days too. So I feel like a lot of things, I think I have a magnet on my fridge is that don't ask me if you can figure it out on the internet. Ah. That's, that's what the <laughs> magnet says. Seriously, don't come to me if you can figure it out on the internet. You know, my whole thing is that if we want to garner respect from our kids, then we need to respect them. And I think yes. people get letting our kids do anything they want and respect, like in, they confuse those two things because I can still have kindness and compassion and empathy and speak to my kids and garner their respect without saying, because I said so, go over there, do what I say. I don't care what you have to say about it. Stop crying. You know, mm -hmm. all the things that I think perhaps maybe some of us heard from our parents, not all of us, but some of us. And I think that we can start from an early age. It doesn't need to be like that. And when we do have that relationship, I think that a lot of this stuff just comes a whole lot easier because they trust and know that you're going to be there for them. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, they just want that connection that, you know, a lot of tantrums can be either stopped or reduced significantly when you just look at your child and say, I get that you're really frustrated that you can't have Cheerios right now. I totally get yeah, it. repeated mm -hmm. back to them. With the same emotion that they're feeling, then all of a sudden it's like they don't need to keep freaking out about it, you know? Look, we all just want to be heard, and that goes for our kids too. And the thing I really like about your book is, you know, it's not like stuff we haven't heard before, but you put it all together in such an easy-to-follow, helpful, bite-sized way, i.e. for parents who have, like, no time, yeah. no attention spans, that I think it's just a great refresher to be able to pick up, flip to a page, and, like, learn something that you're like, yeah, I could be better at that. So, Sue, where can we find your book, Parenting, 101 Ways to Rock Your World? I'm assuming Amazon, bookstores everywhere. Yep, you got it. And where can we find you if people want more information? You can find me. I am The Parenting Mentor. My website, which is theparentingmentor.com, and I'm on Instagram at the Parenting Mentor. And I'm on Facebook as The Parenting Mentor. As are we all. So that's fantastic. <laughs> well, listen, you're going to stick around for Cool Picks of the Week, right? I am. Excellent. We'll be back with that right after this. So Liz, Kristen. you know yes. this about me, that I used to be a therapist. Did you know I that? Know, I, not only do I know that, we talk about it all the time. And it's one of the reasons I come to I... you for help <laughs> often. Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, with a background in therapy, I have to say I was very excited to learn more and actually try out our new sponsor service. It's teencounseling.com. And, you know, I know you're a skeptic. I'm a skeptic. But especially when someone says your 13 to 19 year old could connect with a licensed professional counselor right on their smartphone. I don't know. I have to admit, 
I get a little skeptical of that concept. I don't know about you. Uh, you know, I originally was, but then I started thinking I have actually used similar services for medical help. Like I have this yes. rash. I don't want to go to the doctor. I know it's heat rash. I just need the prescription. And I've done that and I've had really good success. So it makes sense that if you're able to vet the counselor, which you are through their site, yes. teencounseling.com, and make sure that there's a good connection and you like them and you research them and you look them up and you find out all their ratings and you think this is a good person for your teen and then your teen can connect with them and be like yeah they seem kind of cool i think it's great because i know one of the big things that prevents families from getting treatment for their kids first of all is cost second of all it's interest from the kids and third of all it's the convenience factor it's really hard to get your kid who is so busy probably you know like on a bus or on a train or carpool to go to a therapist and spend 45 minutes there and come back it's a very big commitment so i love the idea that they can do it right from their phone and really find somebody who can truly help them i know I mean, they can do live chats while they're sitting on the bus on the way home from school. They can do a phone chat or a video chat late at night. It's so flexible. And, you know, I was pretty impressed with the interaction that I had with the therapist that we were matched with. So I actually went through the whole process of filling out the questionnaire and waiting to get matched with a therapist. It turns out the woman that I was matched with, not only was I able to check her licensing number to make sure she was legit, she was actually a creative arts therapist. She was a dance movement therapist. And that was exciting to me because I'm a music therapist. So I was like, like, wait, how did that happen? That's so cool. Um, So wait, let me ask you, yeah. can you also do text chats? Like if your kid needs to follow up or they just want to check in with the counselor, can they text them? Yeah, absolutely. So basically how it works is that you will have your own login into the system where you can talk to the therapist and your teen will have their own as well. So there's no mixing of communications for confidentiality reasons. You have unlimited messaging with your membership and that's really just to ask a question or if the therapist wants to check in. And then what they have is something called live chat. And that's really when you schedule a time where you just sit and you text back and forth with your counselor. Everything is done through their system, though, which even the phone calls are initiated through their system to make sure that they're super secure. And of course, that everything is confidential. They won't have your phone number and you don't have their phone number. And that's a really big deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah. So to me, it's like the equivalent of having the closed door if you're taking your teen to a IRL therapist, that you are not in that room and you don't hear what they say and what they say remains confidential. I think that's really important, especially in gaining the trust of your kids who may be needing more help than we can give them as parents. Yes. And I will say I grilled our therapist over the phone and I was very impressed. <laughs> so <laughs> well, I so I'm happy to recommend this. If you go to teencounseling.com slash cool mom, you can actually save 10% off your first month with this service, you can help your teen take charge of their mental health. I love that it makes it more accessible for teens and their families. And as someone who is a huge proponent of mental health services and mental health care, I'm really happy that something like this is out there to help teens and families who need it. Amen. So once again, get 10% off your first month. Just go to teencounseling.com slash cool mom. So now it is time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool picks of the week. Sue, you are our guest. You get to go first. Okay. First, before I do, I want to ask you guys, who's that adorable little voice that says, cool picks of the week? 
that is my daughter Margot. Yes, that is my ten-year-old. She recorded it like when she Four was six ago. or seven. Yeah, though. it's I been a while. It. I love it. Every time I listen to your podcast and you go, "It's time for," <laughs> I join in and go, "Cool pick sweet." Oh, that's awesome. So Sue's cool pick is Margot's voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> do you have another pick for us besides Margot's voice? Yeah, I do. My cool pick of the week is a. TV show that I adore called I'm Sorry. Have you guys seen it? No. Oh my God, you guys are going to love this. <laughs> it's a half hour comedy with this woman named Andrea Savage, who is a comedy writer. And she plays a comedy writer on the show. And she's oh, married cool. and she has a four year old daughter. And she is really funny and says things that are just crazy and rude. And she says them all with a smile on her face, which is what's the funniest part because she knows she's <laughs> saying things that she probably shouldn't. Ah, and I guess that's oh. where the title I'm sorry comes from. Like just the things she says and does are just kind of out there. And it's really, really fun. And she plays, she plays a comedy writer on the show. And her husband's a lawyer and she's kind of a real guy's girl. So every time she has interactions with other women, it's uh, something usually goes wrong. I'm looking it up right now and it looks like you can find there are two seasons. It's from True TV and you can find season one on Netflix right now. But we will link that up on our podcast page along with all the other links awesome. you hear here today. But that's cool. That's a new one for us, Kristen. You know, we always like add into our binge list. For both of us, we love binge watch recommendations. So thank you, Sue. Okay. So my cool pick of the week is very timely. I didn't do it on purpose, but it's something that I have been following all summer long. It's the Edit Your Life show. That's a podcast from two of our best friends on the internet and in real life, Asha Dornfest and Christine Co. That's their podcast. Well, they've been doing a series on their Instagram. If you go to Edit Your Life show, they've been doing life skills, things that you can teach your kids in the summer that will help them be more responsible, citizen. And that's everything from learning how to do laundry to cooking. It's very easy to follow along. They give you three things that you can teach them every week. And by the end of the summer, they'll be able to live on their own. Wait, I love that. I'm going to watch that and listen to it because like in my book, I have that whole section on life skills. And it's like, yeah, one of them is teach your kids to do laundry. (laughs) Yes. So they're doing three things every week. I was once working on a project. I will be as vague as possible, but with a... Marketer, and one of the ideas that we had pitched, it was for like young 20 somethings right out of college, was this kind of pop up where we would teach them all life skills because we found out that 20 somethings didn't know how to like fold a sheet or cook three dishes and things like that. So it's, it's really awesome that they're like parents. It's true. Get Learn how to ball. write a check. Here's how to write yes. a check, friends. Yeah. So if you go over to their Instagram handle, they have a separate one for their show. It's Edit Your Life Show on Instagram. You will see the images. They're super easy easy to follow. And I've been really enjoying that. How about you, Liz? What's on your oh, list this, this week? Oh, this is a big one. Okay. So Kristen, yes. we just relaunched our ultimate birthday gift guide on Cool Mom Picks, which is a massive guide of the absolute coolest gifts, 150 plus 
for kids from one right through teens, sorted by age. It's such a good resource. It's not just toys and stuff. There's experience gifts. There's all kinds of cool things. I'm so proud of it. And I hope you guys will head to Cool Mom Picks and look right at the top in the nav. You can see Ultimate Birthday Gift Guide. But I want to pull out one of the cool items in here that we have. I think it's under our favorite gifts for teens. Both of my kids have them now because they're in love with this. It's called Specs, S-P-E-K-S. And they're like these little, let's call it Fidget Spinner 2.0, but it's not a fidget spinner and it won't drive you crazy. It's like these little magnetic balls. So obviously not for little children. Yes, not for tiny people. No, and it's a desk toy and it's just like a, a whole thing of little magnetic ball bearings that you can play with. And it sounds ridiculous. And It's about 25 bucks, which sounds crazy, but both of my kids are so into it. Like they can just fold it into different shapes and it's like a fidgety thing, but it's not loud. It doesn't bother you. Your kids will totally love it. It's a cool gift for kids, you know, old Wait, I think I might love it. It is. It's really good. Yes. I always have to be I doing something for with my hands and I love it because I tend to fidget with my phone when I'm watching a TV me show too. and this will give me something else to do that's officially unplugged. So it's Specs, S-P-E-K-S, and you can find it in our ultimate birthday gift guide on Cool Mom Picks. Yay! Well, thank you all for joining us for another episode of Spawned and huge thanks to our engineer, Emmy winning John Bowen. Oh, I love how you get to say that every single time. <laughs> Makes us feel like our show's really I fancy. Does he love that you get to say that? He probably does. (laughs) And we really appreciate hearing from you when you leave us five-star reviews, when you drop us emails at spawned at coolmompicks.com, when you hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all using Cool Mom Picks. We love it. So please do that. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And when you download or save your episodes, that actually helps us. Apple says, wow, this podcast is really good. People are downloading and saving these episodes. More people should know about it. That's how Apple sounds, Liz, when they talk. Did you know that? Uh, It doesn't sound like (laughs) Siri, which I would have thought. (laughs) Who knew? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Also, make sure to join our Spawn podcast community on Facebook. It's really awesome. In fact, some of our listeners were telling us this week they downloaded the pillow tracking app for Apple Watch that I talked about with Evangeline Lilly a few weeks ago. And we had such a good discussion about how it works and when you charge your Apple Watch and all this crazy stuff. It was a really good discussion. So anyway, join us there and talk about anything at all. We are chatty and we are fun just like we are here, hopefully. Yeah, and you know what? If you liked this episode with Sue Groner, you really need to listen to our episodes with KJ Delantonia and Dr. Ken Ginsberg. We've had a couple of really amazing authors and parenting experts that we think you'll really love. So be sure to go back into our archives for those two episodes and all of our Spawned episodes if we do say so ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Spawned. This is Liz. And this is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye.